Hey, it's Wine and Jesus, everybody. This is Gio along with Jen. Hey, hey. So, Jen, um, with um, all of the advances in modern science today, I have a cool topic I kind of wanted to talk about um, in general, um, genetic manipulation, but more specifically, possibly cryptids such as Bigfoot. Loch Ness Monster and the such. What do you, you think? You can tell he's really excited because he just like skipped small talk and went straight into, <laughs> I have a topic. I, I came up with the topic this time and I'm excited. <laughs> I'm like a kid in a candy store right now. You should see him right now. Like he's just like so excited to talk about this. So I will say we braised the subject of giants have you in mm. one of our earlier podcast episodes before we were really good at this you know <laughs> um and so i'm not really sure how much we touched on it then um but really i think Gio wants to dive more into my questions that i had for him last week around like are there still giants today mm. like the bible and we talked about it in a small segment where are you getting all this information <laughs> Really, we watched this Bigfoot documentary. Long story <laughs> it's short, Sasquatch. it was not about Sasquatch. It was about murder. So it was very misleading. <laughs> Thanks, um, Hulu. But I got really excited and I was like, ooh, Sasquatch. Like, let's, let's yeah, see yeah. this. And then I have all these other questions that kind of come with it. So here we are. And <laughs> Gio, Gio's very excited to be like, we should do a podcast on this. <laughs> so um, although I'm um, obviously like my goal is to become a pastor and all that kind of stuff. I have, since I was a young, young child, been fascinated with the paranormal, and and I don't even know what you call Bigfoot and Loch Ness and aliens and stuff, but like I've just always been fascinated by that kind of stuff. So it's just a, a labor of love for me to talk about this. So is your fascination more in wanting to know if they really exist, or wanting to like understand, like the comic book factor behind them, or I? <laughs> This coming from a guy who has like every Star Wars book wow, ever before yes. it got I mean, sold to Disney and then canon got thrown out the window, yada yada. So what was your interest Disney. in it? Like oh, I yeah. can picture you just wanting to, to <laughs> dig up bones and find Lockie. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> like you're like Chewbacca, aka Bigfoot. I get it. No, like this is. I mean, Star Wars obviously is a big part of my life too. But Star Wars aside, I didn't even think about Chewbacca. Yeah, right? Tying into this. Oh, dude, that was like where they got the idea of Chewbacca from Bigfoot, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like Star Wars aside, I was still fascinated by aliens and Bigfoots and Loch Ness monsters. So in my bookshelf where I'm working at the church now, I have one of the books is called The Enigma of the Loch Ness of Loch Ness. And one of my pastor friends walked in and he's like reading all my theology or like looking through all my Jesus books and stuff. And then like, bonk, uh, Loch Ness Monster. So like I've, I, and that was a book I never returned to the, I'm going to admit a crime on, on uh, the mic. Never mind. I borrowed that book and forgot to return it. <laughs> I'm sure the library still exists. <laughs> the government's going to come after me after 20 years. So, okay, I, I guess before we dive all into the specifics of this, let's talk more fun. Sure. Loch, Loch Ness not Monster, however you say it. Old Nessie, I've mm -hmm. heard it. I've heard so many different nicknames for this. What, is it the water one? The one that will, like, get you swimming. if you're swimming? Get you if you're swimming. <laughs> this is why I don't swim in lakes. If you can't see your feet, people, you shouldn't swim. There's probably a dinosaur about to eat you. Pools. 
pools. Yeah. That's the only thing. You sh- or clear oceans. Oh, yeah. Beaches are nice, yep. too. Um, so they have a bunch of, across the world, different stories about Loch Ness Monster. Loch Ness Monster is the most common and, and well-known. But It's really a big catfish, and people are just, like, <laughs> freaking out. <laughs> There's some drunk Scottish dude who's like, I think I saw a dinosaur! And it was like, no. But he really, like, went noodling. <laughs> Isn't that like where you stick your arm down yep. and try and catch a fish? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and there's also Lake Champlain, which is in America, USA, I think up northern area, um, in the like Great Lake area, is uh, Champ. That's another name for one is Champ. They hmm. called him because of Lake Champlain. Uh, so there's a lot of claims of sightings, and then there's historical references, and you always see like the sea monsters and stuff like that in old what books. What does it do to you? Uh, most of the time it scares them. I've heard a couple stories where it's killed somebody, but that's like way old stories and stuff. Like it's killed a monk or something. I don't know. But most of the time it's just sightings. And the, the most like alarming part is the size and shape of it. It doesn't look like a seal or a, you know, it's bigger than a seal. It has a long neck and fins and, and there's actually been purported photos of it taken. And there's a famous one that m- most recently they've said has been hoaxed, which is that iconic one, which is like kind of a like a neck sticking out of the ocean, like straight up and then out like a brontosaurus. But people have said it's like a fake. And that's fine. Like, I'm sure a lot of people have tried to make money off of this. But I do think there is something to it where there's so many stories throughout history of sea monsters in general and then specific locations where they keep seeing them. There's got to be something that unknown there that's they're not aware of at least. So then, let's talk about Bigfoot. Bigfoot, for a second. yeah. Sasquatch. Why are there different names for Bigfoot? Well, I think Sasquatch is the native, the indigenous American name of Bigfoot in in the Northern Americas. And now we'll just add Chewy to it as well. Yeah, there's a lot. There's Yeti, which is like the I think the Himalayas over in Asia. But I thought a Yeti was like the abominable snowman. Correct. That's why it's so cold. It's cold up in the... We didn't include that in the list. Well, Bigfoot in general. We're going to cover all big feet right here. So you have Yeti, which is like a cold one. And sometimes it's seen as like gray or white fur. Um, Usually seen in the Himalayas. That's where the name comes from. Is a local name ascribed from the... I think it's probably the... um, Nepalese or something like that. The people that do the, the, the Buddhist monasteries up in the mountains, you know, like you see on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have Bigfoot, which is like the common American term for it. Um, you have Sasquatch, which is another Native American term. You have um, the Wendigo is another one. And that one's seen up northern, like in Canada and Alaska and stuff. Um, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other terms. I'm just kind of broad brushing it here. But um, it's a giant, tall, taller than a human up to 10 or 12 feet tall um and it's furry and it's when they take casts of its foot imprints in the mud if people can be lucky enough to like see it and then run up and da 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 they'll take a cast of it with plaster or whatever and it's usually like a big five toe foot um bigger than a human foot it would be like Shaquille O'Neal on steroids foot so there I mean and once again I'm sure there's some hoaxers out there that are trying to make money or make a name for themselves, but... It's probably Shaq dressed up like Bigfoot, just like <laughs> hey, walking around in hey like guys, the woods. <laughs> I haven't shaved in a while. I'm just walking out here. Give, leave me alone. I'm trying to find some 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 solace. Um, yeah, so 
I don't know. Once again, with the Loch Ness Monster thing, and the same with the Bigfoot, like, there's too many stories to just ignore and them all to be. I get the idea of mythologies and all that kind of stuff, and I completely understand people who don't believe in this stuff, because it's hard to prove, and it's nothing like the Bible. I'm not trying to prove it like it is the Bible's true, but it's interesting there's so many reports and so much evidence of it. You know what's interesting to me? The fact that Alexa can spy on me and hear all of the things <laughs> that I have going on, and you hear of like drones that fly over, and you see aerial shots, and people have deer cameras in the woods. I mean, there are so many different ways to communicate, to videotape people, to hear. Like, there's just, I feel like nothing is private anymore. Yeah. So, like, how are they so private? Yeah. Like, how are they, like, still this mythic creature that we're right. like, maybe it exists, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. We have no drone footage. We have no, like, deer camera mm -hmm. footage of this. We, we yeah. have no sasquatch asking alexa to play music and yeah. then recording its conversation <laughs> yeah like, there, there, there that's is an excellent question that. and it's... that that's a often raised question in the books and the yeah. videos documentaries you'll see is like okay if there was a pot there would have to be a population of them for it to continue to like can't just be one yeah you couldn't just never die yeah it would just be an eternal being or something right so most people theorize if they're animals just like an animal we've never seen before like um, we, for example, we assumed the coelacanth, which is a fish, was extinct back in the dinosaur days because we'd find fossils of it right next to a, you know, T-Rex or something, right? Well, they caught one off the coast of somewhere in Asia, and it was alive. So clearly, like, we are not aware of everything that lives in the world. Scientists just can't keep a tally of every single creature under the ocean in caves, above, flying around, you know, all that kind of stuff. They so. try to keep a tally of every human in the world, right. so what's the difference? Yeah, <laughs> we're more important than animals, but yeah, I mean, so for example, the coelacanth is an often used example of we are just not aware of everything in the world all the time. I've never even heard so, that word until you just said it. it. Yeah, it's a weird, it's like C, oh gosh, I'm going to spell it wrong, like C-A-E-O-L-C-A-N-T-H. You know the most random shit. It's like, it's a weird spelling of just basically an old fish. Okay. And if you're an evolutionist, you would say, well, it was a step towards modern fish that we have today. But then when we catch it alive, we're like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, we'll have to change our history books, but it's still fine. Everything's still... It's still fine. I'm everything's fine. fine. We're fine. <laughs> I'm fine. The world is fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, every time like something weird pops up, scientists are like, it's fine. I'm fine. As they like chain smoke and, you know, jitter. Just ignore it. But, um, so anyway, back to the population thing. Number one, there's big old forests where they're found in. It's usually always in a dense forest that's uninhabited most of the time. Okay. Number two, a lot of people have theorized that are like out there like me that they might not live on top of the surface of the earth. They might live in caves. They might, there might be hollow caverns um, from old water runoff that they live within the earth and things like this, um, where they've, re they've survived for not being known because they hide in these places, in, in caves and whatnot. But didn't, when they have to hunt? like. And then that's when they're seen, is when they're out running them up, catching a deer, and then running back to their wherever, per perhaps. Perhaps. This is all speculation. And that's what I love about it is like, you know, I'll probably never know until I meet Jesus and ask him, but it's cool to speculate. The, the next thing I was going to mention is if you look up, I've mentioned this term before to, to you before, but it's called Skinwalker Ranch. It's like this big area of property in like the desert southwest area. 
and different owners have owned it and they've always reported strange happenings and they call it skinwalker ranch is because there's like native american legends associated with it it's too like all i'm thinking is texas chainsaw massacre <laughs> just wearing people's skin yes. tucking his wiener under like it's a woman what it sounds like yeah no this is like people that there's native american legends that kind of link to this but people might think that it's some kind of non-human entity that can shapeshift essentially because they're seen as standing dogmen for example and then the next day it's a weird looking bear creature and and other times it's this creature that people just can't describe as a normal you know thing and sometimes there's ufos and lights in the sky that are seen and all these different things on this one little ranch and then the government's really interested in it but it's all kind of shaded in secrecy uh oh gosh what's that guy's name so there there's this uh guy that's been releasing ufo footage like currently right now there's a most recent one just came out a few days ago his name's james corbin i believe He's worked with a guy that used to do a radio show, and I forgive me, I can't think of his name. I'll probably think of it in a few minutes, but um, they kind of worked together and did a doc on Skinwalker Ranch as well, and there's been a lot of documentaries on Skinwalker Ranch, and nobody's really figured it out, but even the government has been involved and interested in it and sent their own team out there, and they're like, yeah, I don't know. So there are weird things that we can't explain. There are weird sightings of creatures, even that the government more or less will acknowledge. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't seem to be something we taxon taxonomically know right now. Um, was that that documentary that you were watching mm -hmm. when I was like, I don't know, I think I was maybe awake for some of it, yes. and then I was like and in and out. Yeah, I sleep while he watches documentaries. Yes. Um, so I thought I remember <laughs> a portion that I woke up of that um, film talking about some sort of like time vorex or time... Vortex of some sort, of portals and yes. things. Yes, yeah. um, and that they were thinking that maybe their property was that. Yeah, they're thinking their po property. So <laughs> this is, oh my gosh, this is another show we could do, a whole another podcast about ley lines. Um, how there's like an en energy the grid around the earth mm -hmm. and certain spots on the earth are like connection points of these different, imagine like longitude and latitude lines on a globe. Mm -hmm. It's kind of that, but it's energy that's generated naturally, magnetism and electromagnetic energy generated by the earth naturally. We all know that the Schumann residence of the earth is a certain frequency and all these kinds of things that we know the earth naturally generates. So it's, it's not out of the question to assume that these ley lines, when the, you can graph them out on the earth and there's intersection points. Stonehenge is a big one. Wow, why is there a whole bunch of old ancient rocks set up right there? You know, all these weird places that are like known for like paranormal activities a lot of the times are these intersection points of these purported ley lines across the globe. So the idea being perhaps Skinwalker Ranch and all these other places are strong portals of this veil between dimensions. You know, we only live in four dimensions and and we've talked about this before that math and mathematics can essentially show that there's at least 10 dimensions out there. Some people establish that there's hundreds or thousands of dimensions, but whether it be whatever number they call it is, that schizophrenia. <laughs> there are definitely more dimensions than what we can perceive. And that's where like quantum computing is reaching into and getting things from now and so we can get into that now bit. you've lost me. yeah yeah let's um, go back to I did have one other question about the skinwalker ranch yeah um am i dreaming that it's also near like area 51 and all of that so that's maybe why they think that it's like a ley line type situation because yeah. okay how far was it like in the same state same so, county like oh gosh again i was sleeping <laughs> i was like in and out and like 
I just catch pieces of what your kookiness that you're watching on TV is. <laughs> kookiness, how dare you? Okay. Um, sometimes it's interesting. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, this is going to give me a nightmare. So I should stop listening. We are, we are currently in, the, in Google mode right now. It is in Utah. Okay. And Area 51 is in New Mexico. Okay. So you're still within the Rocky Mountain range. Um, oh, man, we can get to another thing about underground mountain bases, but... Gosh, there's so much creepiness in there the world. Is. Who would have known? Yeah. Oh, we could, Well, I just look into too much weird stuff because I'm into it. But the idea being, yes, I think you're correct in the assumption that um, perhaps they figured out where they're stronger places or where the veil is thinner and those in the know might you know be able to know the locations better than what us lay people do um one more thing i want to add and i think you'll be familiar with because we might have watched something on this before too but i've looked in a lot of the mothman or the mothman prophecy doesn't sound like you yeah (laughs) have you heard me talk about this before i'm pretty sure i woke up to that being on as well Ah, see this is why i think i have issues sleeping (laughs) for you listening i've been having a lot of issues sleeping especially this past six months for some reason i attributed it to stress and past trauma but i think it's probably all of the shit my husband's making me listen to (laughs) while i fall asleep like the mothman Uh. or skin rocker ranch (laughs) So this is like basically the Matrix. I've been red-pilled, and you're still like hooked up to the dream world scenario. I just only want to be blue-pilled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, that's a bad thing too, right? You just want to go back Isn't to your Isn't that like the Viagra? <laughs> Jin just wants to be tumescent. I just want happy pills. <laughs> Do those that's exist? clown pill. That, okay, so a new term I've heard recently, clown pill. The world is too crazy right now, so take a clown pill and everything's just a joke. This is why it's a comedy. we drink wine. Yep. That is my clown pill. Yep. That is your clown pill. You're right. Okay, so tell me about this weird moth guy. Moth man. So I just want <laughs> Moth guy. He's going to be offended if you call him that. Well, is he going to come for me now? Dr. Mothman. <laughs> moth guy was my father. Um, so it's... you. So there was a Richard Gere movie in the probably early 2000s that was made called The Mothman Prophecies. Okay. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Richard Gere, but it was a cool movie because it was based on true events and that he played an actual author that wrote this book about it and stuff. But anyway, a bridge collapsed in New York somewhere, r- rural New York somewhere, okay. and killed a bunch of people. And basically, before this happened, there was a lot of strange occurrences in this town, um, and this being kept being seen by people and it's called the mothman basically they look out the window and they see what looks like a giant human-sized moth with red eyes and maybe like antennae like a oh, moth hell that, yeah, no, i'd move <laughs> and then other people would see it like flying in the air like land on a building with its giant black wings and there's a lot of you can look this up it's very pre- prevalent out there but um another cryptid and there's the new new jersey devil which is the same area and and <laughs> there's a legend behind that where this lady had it like witchcraft and then she had a baby and the baby like had goat feet and could fly and like it immediately ran away and and then it was seen it's called the new jersey devil or the jersey devil there's also a hockey team called the jersey devils so we're not in to new new jersey area. <laughs> so there it is pretty like these these myths that many people just say oh they're just you know Folk tales, cool. Somehow That's we fine. adopt them and continue their legend. Well, on. somehow they continue to be seen, and maybe it's because they're getting the images implanted in their head, and so they want to see what they see in these people. It's, you know, th- there's always that psychology thing to it. 
But once again, old times and new times, you're hearing similar stories of these same creatures being seen throughout time. You'll, you can look in historical documents. I think even Marco Polo, if I'm not mistaken, he talks about meeting some dogmen. Mm-hmm. Men standing upright that have dog heads or furry faces and like short muzzles like a, like a bulldog or something. Mm-hmm. And they were known to be very aggressive. Once again, a lot of people say that's just mythology and they are like extending the truth about something. But you keep hearing about this stuff throughout different... And this is like old, old history, like Marco Polo times, even up to today. Like you can find even old maps where there's like images of people with dog heads. And so all I'm saying is like there's a continuing history of these humanoid creatures that are not fully human being reported to be seen. Or, or... Hear me out. Yeah. Today, we have the internet. The mm-hmm. internet is like an encyclopedia yeah. of and a timestamp of everything ever yeah. done, thought of, created, differences between fiction, nonfiction, yeah. all of that mm-hmm. is out there today. Yes. What if like this was just their fiction mm-hmm. and like we're like interpreting it <laughs> as like these beings existed in their yeah. time, but really it was like the stuff that they would use to scare their kids into going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> like the uh what's the what's the Dwight Schrute creature he's like learn the rules you, you have, have to, to learn, learn the, the rules, rules. <laughs> if you don't you'll be eaten in your sleep I feel like I sing that song to Mateo way too much so <laughs> here's gonna start to believe it <laughs> here's my answer to your question though um we teach in schools Marco Polo's reports on his travel like these are like scholarly things that we otherwise teach our kids Mm -hmm. you know i've used this example in my youth ministry before about the bible for the new testament alone we have over or we have almost twenty-five thousand manuscripts and fragments that we can base the new testament upon um these are writings of you know we base like the battle of julius caesar in the um oh my gosh what war was it? anyway there's a particular war we have eight or nine fragments and we teach in our schools based on those eight or nine fragments throughout history of what Julius Caesar, for example, did, or what Marco Polo did. Yet, there's other parts of those same fragments. Josephus, for example, we base a lot of our history on Josephus' writings, but he also has fantastical things in there that we don't teach in the schools, but it's still the same exact texts that we do teach in schools. We just skip those parts that we're not really cool with. Like what? Uh, Josephus talks about the Tower of Babel. He talks about giants. He talks about uh, Jesus rising from the dead. And he wasn't a Christian. He was a Roman historian. Oh, uh, so where it comes into like bleeding into like some sort of religious piece or what could be perceived yeah. as like afterlife or... Or just dogmen, um, <laughs> for yeah. example. It, it could be any of that. They but, admit that from school because they're like, we don't want to like yeah. freak people and out. And I get it. I get why they leave it out. I'm not trying to condemn schools, but I'm just saying the same text that we use to teach our children in schools and in colleges, we also laugh at for other reasons and which is it is it is it scholarly work or is it something to laugh at and scoff at and say it's a myth because you can't use it both ways and just ignore pick out the pieces you do want to teach that's a really good point it's like how they tried to change math on us <laughs> it's, oh what's it called B- basic square don't even know don't even cube. care Common not core. learn it somebody else is going to teach it to mateo because here's the thing i struggled with math more than any other subject in school worst subject ever 
Square root of nine, go. Kind of got it down. I'm not going to answer you because I'm really bad at math. <laughs> and I don't even know what that means. Square and root. <laughs> is it three? Yeah. Okay. Nailed it. <laughs> See? And, and now they're going to make me show my work and how I got to that. It like some square method where like you draw, <laughs> I, you draw a cross and try to, I, what, why? Yeah. Why, why do they feel the need to I change agree. that type of stuff up? Like I would rather you teach my kid about old Loch Ness, Nessie <laughs> than try Common to trick math. their brain into figuring out whatever math. Yeah. I mean, you have a calculator for a reason. Yeah. They're, I think they're expecting like all of technology to fail and we'll be like, how many sticks do we need for this building? Well, show me how you got to that answer. <laughs> Can you show me four ways? No time. It's raining. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this podcast turned into bashing school. No, schools are great. Thank you, teachers. Um, back to cryptids, though. I do want to kind of, kind of bring all these Loch Nesses and Bigfoots and do do back into. A common concept, concept, for example. Number one, you can say animals have survived extinctions and whatnots and fossil records to where we've, you know, we've never found a Bigfoot. Or we've, we've found Loch Nesses. They're called dinosaurs, plesiosaurs, and they supposedly were extinct millions of years ago, hundreds of millions of years ago. Oh, so they're saying the Loch Ness Monster is really is a, a dinosaur, dinosaur that can swim? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, it, that's a plesiosaur. like a whale yeah. with a big neck? Dinosaurs are reptilian, or cold-blooded is what they're thought to be. I mean, nobody knows for sure because they're not around, are they? Can you hear me winking? Can you hear me rolling my eyes? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so no, not whales because whales are mammals. Dinosaurs were thought to be reptilian, cold-blooded, bird-like creatures, whatever you call them. Um, and number two, there's fossils of what is purportedly seen as a Loch Ness Monster. They basically say it's these, imagine a brontosaurus, those long-necked dinosaurs mm -hmm. with the long tails, replace their stubby, like, trunk legs with giant whale flippers on four legs. Oh. So it's just like this, you know, four flippers on a fat body and long neck. Well, then that one just seems like something that's smarter than other creatures and it stays out of the way and does what it's supposed to so that people can't find it. Well, if you haven't le listened to our last episode, it's a little out there about the flood, but what if some of the creatures um, in the water survived the flood? How would that be possible, though? Yeah, it, I mean, it's... If he says, bring it, two it, or five... Of like, the land animals, all that crawls on the earth. Oh. So he never... And if you... We never brought this up in our last he podcast. He never addressed Never talked fish. about fish. And so there's two things I wanted to talk about there really quick. Oh. Because we have also said... Mind blown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he wiped out all the... I would, I would purport he wiped out the Nephilim, the giants, and all the... Uh, corrupted flesh that was on the earth and Noah was perfect in his generations or in his perhaps genetic identity as a human still. So he was able to survive. Well, what if there was number one, some genetic anomalies in the ocean uh, that might have survived? Or number two, what if there was just some dinosaurs and whatnots that did survive the flood? Because it doesn't say he wiped out everything in the ocean, only things on the land and in the air, birds and land creatures doesn't really say he wiped out all the creatures of the sea. 
I would assume most of them died based on the like traumatic events that happened under the water. I mean, yeah. most creatures were buried under the muds and stuff, even if they were in the water. And that's kind of why you have the fossil record as it is. But what if some lucky plesiosaur rode a wave to the top of a mountain and kind of just swam it out until it was more calm and then he floated around next to the ark, you know, or something like that, whatever it is. But so interesting. you could conceptualize water creatures surviving. Number two is what I was going to say is there's this um, Babylonian god back in, um, you know, those same gods that we've talked about um, with like the Tower of Babel and and Mesopotamian gods and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, his name is Dagon, D-A-G-O-N, and he was known as like the fish-headed god. If you look at images of him, inscriptions and stuff from relics that we've we've uncovered in archaeology, he basically had a pointed head. Imagine the Pope's hat, that like tall mitre hat that he wears. Imagine that. He was like this fish-headed god and sometimes he wore a cape or sometimes it was depicted as like his fins on his back. But he is cone said, heads. yeah, kind of a conehead, but he was fish-like and he came from the sea. And it says he came from the sea and like shared this knowledge with the Mesopotamians or Sumerians of the time. And this is their inscriptions talking about this god Dagon and what he did for them. Well, he came from the sea after this flood of Gilgamesh and all this kind of stuff. He comes from the sea and teaches humans these things again. And then you read in the Bible where it says there was giants in the earth in those days and after that or after the flood somehow the corruption of genetics survived the flood in a way because there was nephilim that carried through so number one you could say one of the wives of shem ham or japheth carried some weird dna and it mm -hmm. carried through or maybe it was reintroduced by these surviving creatures from the flood that were in the water such as this maybe partial god called dagon that calls himself dagon and that came back to humanity and shared more fallen angel information that wasn't supposed to be shared things like that might pop into your head interesting to think about nonetheless but that's a stretch but once again it's interesting that it all kind of correlates so okay i guess i want you to dumb this down a little yeah. bit yeah so first i want to start with what the nephilim is what the definition is and then i would really like it if you could talk to me about like how God took care of getting rid of them or did he mm -hmm. and the angels that are supposedly like a third of the angels that were like locked away. I thought that was like all in correlation with that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. So dumb this down a little bit. Nephilim, according to Wikipedia, because Wikipedia mm -hmm. is like always the opposite of the Bible. <laughs> um, I'll just read the definition. So um, the Nephilim are mysterious beings or people mentioned in the Hebrew Bible. They are large and strong, and the word Nephilim is loosely translated as giants in some Bibles, but left untranslated in others. Mm -hmm. Some traditional Jewish explain explanations interpret them as fallen angels. That's why I brought up the angels mm -hmm. piece. Um, and then the main reference to them is in Genesis, but the passage is ambiguous, and the identity of the Nephilim is disputed. Yep. So that that is something interesting. Is like I know that the Bible references. There are giants in the day, in the days then and then thereafter, like what mm -hmm. you said in Genesis. And then you've got the story of um, David and Goliath, where Goliath mm. is thought to be considered a giant. So he would be a Nephilim or what we assume to be him mm -hmm. and his five brothers, right? Five yeah. brothers? Yeah. Um, I think there's five total, yeah. Five total. But I, I, I don't get... 
a lot about Nephilim or giants in the Bible in what I've read yeah. beyond those yeah. two things. And really, if you read David and Goliath, it doesn't really even reference like Goliath as a Nephilim or mm-hmm. an unclean being. Right. It just talks about yeah. him being really big. Yeah. So like where, one, are people getting this information? Mm-hmm. Like where can we really go down and saying this is a biblical term? Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, why isn't it in the Bible? Like why didn't it make the cut? <laughs> yeah. And then the fallen angels piece. So if you would mind yeah, just yeah. giving me a little bit of a history overview and so, kind of dumb that down. I'm going to start with the fallen angels thing because I think, I believe that's where it started. As far as the Bible says, angels came into the daughters of men and giants were born to them. They were the mighty men of old, men of renown. Meaning the fall, the angels that Satan took with him were on earth and they were doing naughty things with humans. Mm-hmm. Okay. At least genetically creating a half human, half angelic fallen angelic being and the and the bible says they were known as heroes of old the mighty men da, 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 da. well when you get the trans so the original hebrew um is nephilim which is basically is a word from the word nephal meaning fallen or okay. um and then so basically you have these fallen somethings that, be, that became renowned men of mighty men, Gibborim, which is this term often used, associated with Nephilim, basically mighty men. Um, some people say they were just like the heroes that fought the battles and saved the princesses in, of old days. Well, if that's all they are, then, I mean, then you basically have your Herculeses and your Achilleses of the Greek history type guys, right? Where they were mighty men and were renowned and guess what those mythologies talk about they were half gods little g god if you want to consider it that but they were half gods half humans achilles hercules all these people you all of all of these little different mythologies kind of point to the same thing half god half human so you start there and then you hear how they're giants well the word giant is a translation from the septuagint which is the greek translation of the old testament okay. old testament is written in hebrew then you have a in later times in Jesus's times everybody started speaking Greek and then eventually Latin. Well, it had all the old books. Nobody spe- spoke Hebrew anymore, for example. So they'd have to translate the books into Greek. So you have the Greek. It's called the Septuagint. It's the Greek translation of the Old Testament. That translation of the word Nephilim or the um, all that kind of stuff is um, Gigantes, which in Spanish is the same word, but giants. It's like if you look at the San Francisco Giants logo in Spanish, it'd be gigantes. Mm-hmm. That word is from he or ge, meaning the earth. It's Greek for earth. Um, so basically, they were those from the earth, uh-huh. as opposed to those from God, perhaps, or those from heaven. They were fallen beings that are bound to the earth because they weren't spiritually intended by God to be born or created. So gigantes can also be tra- is translated as giants or big men. Why, why did we get the word from the, just the simple term earth, earthlings, or earthbound creatures, to these giant, like in our minds we imagine giant people, right, or big, big giant people. I keep using the word giant because it's all we can really think of, but where did we get that to that? Well, it must have been associated with big creatures for some reason, and I think that term was carried through the generations because they were originally giant creatures. And so if, if you get to the Nephilim and all that kind of stuff, and then, so your original question back to that was, did I miss anything on it? Just um, also the taking of 
like so the flood purifying it and mm-hmm. then like where where they came back we're taking the an- like the angels went for a while like got oh yeah got oh the bound okay so this is yeah 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 i'm sorry no you <laughs> so um then you get into okay so the angels were punished for this right you'd assume so like and that's at the time of flood right like that's when god was like Jeez, what is wrong with these people? Like, I've yeah. created this, and, like, this is where we've become. <laughs> yeah, so you hear, I've p- pulled out three different verses from the Bible, not Enoch or Jasher or Jubilees, because there's, if you just read those three texts alone, you're going to learn a lot about what the he- the Hebrews that wrote, th- that read and shared and wrote those books believed about it, at least. It might not be scripture or God's word or whatever you want to consider it, God breathed, but it, it is at least a historical account of what those in those times believed the giants in Nephilim to be. And there's, it repeatedly tells you in all three of those books, they were fallen angel babies that basically were destroying the earth and God couldn't let the all of humanity die. Otherwise, Jesus would have never been able to come from a human because being. Because the bloodline was so skewed at that point, the more they procreated, the more that Nephilim yeah. blood was... Pro- okay. So if you think of God as this terrible, terrible butcher... Perhaps, number one, perhaps the whole like cataclysm of the earth wasn't caused by God. Maybe it was something that they were doing to the earth that caused it to just like move and violently cause this flood or something. You know, you, you, they attribute to God in the Bible in the sense that God created everything, even the angels and the earth. And so when events happen, everything is always attributed to God in the Bible. And it says God slaughtered all these people. And then in another chapter, he ordered these people to be killed and a lot of times you have to be careful in the Old Testament, especially of what's attributed to God and what our loving God actually wants and wills to happen. Perhaps he did see that humans were going to be wiped out, so he had to stop that from happening. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps the the actions of those on the earth that were doing evil continually caused something on the earth to happen, a pole shift or a, you know, imagine a, the certain Hadron Collider of today causing a black hole on the earth and like there's these like scientific theories that CERN today could end the earth in a second with their experiments because you know if if they cause a black hole on earth it's gonna suck everything within it there that's fantastical once again but who knows what what technology and, and knowledge they had from these fallen angels back then that could have triggered something like that and then we just attribute it to god's wrath or something that makes sense well and doesn't the word wrath in the bible actually translate into something different it's like but- passion Okay, but people utilize it as wrath, as like yeah. vengeance and like frustration. When really, it's that he just loves us so much. Yeah. He's like trying when you, to like help when you see Mateo like about to stab himself with a sharp knife, would you go, "Baby, I love you. Just do what you want," or would you go, "Mateo, no!" And like <laughs> as as passionately as you could, try to warn him that don't do that. I think that's what the wrath is. That makes sense. Really- okay, and then you get. How did they survive the flood? Well, number one, we talked about Dagon, right? That fish god, in quotes. Um, Maybe he was a Nephilim or maybe he was a fallen one. And he, you know, somehow in his bodily form on earth lived in the water. And then he reshared a lot of that fallen angel knowledge back to the Sumerians and stuff after the flood. And that's why they built the tower and built these walls to protect them from another flood and all these kinds of things you hear about. So perhaps the Nephilim came back through water means or through surviving in the water or maybe their genetics carried through through one of the wives of of Noah's sons or something 
There's a lot of theories about that, but the Bible. It's weird though the, that it's like they existed in the day yeah. and yeah. today. So it. And so here's the here's more the than blood. yes here's the catch though, it's it basically implies that after the angels did their thing the first time and created these um, giant babies, they were punished by God. They were caught at that time before the flood, mm-hmm. and it says they were locked up um, under the earth. So they wouldn't have been able to make new. Yeah. Giants. So yeah. So maybe these. Are they the, still locked up in the earth today? Here, we're going to talk about it in one second. Before we do, I'm going to address... I have so many questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so you have um, maybe the Nephilim, the giants after the flood were second, third, fourth generations from the original ones that... Um, so it wasn't angels in, like banging girls again. Maybe it was like giant, giant, giant passing on their DNA. Maybe it wasn't an angel coming back into the picture and doing so the DNA. at that point, they're a created being. And at that point, they're already on the earth, right? Yeah. Either way, either way you go, it's and a that's plausible. How you get Sasquatch, and that's where Sasquatch comes <laughs> from. Or here's my other theory: What if the angels or the Nephilim afterwards, who had superior knowledge, likely because they're half angel, um, maybe they figured out how to genetically manipulate other animals? Maybe T. Rex wasn't ever supposed to be a T. Rex. Maybe you're supposed to be maybe it's gene- genetically manipulated. I don't know. I'm, that's just a stretch. But the idea being today. We're making uh, human-animal chimeras, human and I think pig chimeras, meaning we're joining human and pig DNA, making an embryo out of it, letting it replicate its cells Good to God, a certain why? point and then destroying it. it. It's basically the question is, is it ethical, number one, to create a half-human life? I'm going to go with no. And number two, <laughs> at what point do they consider it a life where they can terminate those cells from replicating anymore? In my mind, we've, I mean, we won't get into the abortion talk, but basically that's kind of where we're at now is we're creating half-human hybrids right now. What is to say that they had better knowledge than us before back then and we just assume they're stupid cavemen stomping two stones together? You know, that's a question. We assume we're a superior race because of evolution. We keep getting smarter and better. But what if evolution isn't really how it works and we're mentally and genetically decaying slowly over time we're actually dumber than yeah they were and back then. they were like they could memorize whole bibles in their minds you can't do that today i could memorize a jay-z song i can memorize one <laughs> verse from the bible it is jesus wept the shortest verse in the bible the shortest verse in the bible so then okay the angels that god was displeased with and locked to the what do you call it like the pit of hell like or like the pit of so the abyss is often used, okay. which I think is different than Gehenna or hell. Okay. So I think the abyss that the angels are locked into is a not an extra dimensional place, but a, what's the opposite of extra? A lower dimension. It's like a void. Maybe it's a one dimensional prison that they're locked in. And here's, here's where we're going to get into the Bible. And this is the interesting, cool part. So we're first going to turn to Jude, and I'm going to say, like, Jude chapter, no, Jude's just one chapter. Oh, see, so, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice letter to read. In, Wait, Jude is one book in it, one chapter? It's one book, one chapter, and it's 25 and it made the Bible verses. Cut? It's uh, Jesus' brother, likely. Okay. So, yeah, it's, it's probably going to make the Bible. So good old James and Jude. Yeah, so we're going to look at Jude chapter 1. Okay. <laughs> Verses 9 and 14, but I can read through the whole thing if you want. It's just kind of, he's, he's like preaching, 
And there's a couple spots where he mentions some interesting things. So okay. we'll go in, in chapter or in uh, verse 8 of Jude because okay. it kind of starts a paragraph. Okay. In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, he's talking about some ungodly people earlier who are doing bad things. Um, they pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on um, celestial beings or on angels. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So number one, Jude is talking about, for some reason, he's comparing these like people that are doing bad things in the world to um, Michael and the devil arguing over a dead body of Moses. Then you, That was verses nine and, uh, 8 and 9. And then you get down to verse 14, and he says, Enoch, the seventh of Adam, from Adam, prophesied about them. He says, See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. He quoted in those two, in verse 14 and 15, he quoted directly from the book of Enoch, chapter 1. That's a, a quote from that book. But Enoch's not in the Bible. Right. So even though it might not be God-inspired or God-breathed necessarily, and, so, and some churches believe it, it is. The Church of Ethiopia, for example, still carries it in their scriptures. Mm -hmm. But the fact is that Jude, who is in the Bible and was likely a brother of Jesus, used it to reference these fallen angels and what they did. So they, they committed all these acts, and it talks about the judgment coming to the angels. Oh. What if all this bloodshed and horrible abuse that God does in Revelation and in the end times that you always read about wasn't necessarily on you and me humans. It was on those who actually defied God knowingly. They were in heaven. They knew perfection. They come to earth and commit acts. And maybe that's who God is actually trying to get away from humanity that's corrupting them. Perhaps he's not punishing the entire world for their sins and there's a bloodbath in the end times maybe it's the fallen in their armies or I something mean, it makes sense because why else would he send jesus to like die and yeah. rise again for our sins so that we are saved if he's just he gonna kill us trying and punish to us like all. make us better like we're clearly not yeah forcible into change like my son would be for picking up a knife i could teach him <laughs> not to do that like we seem to yeah. repeat our own stupid mistakes over and over again and it seems to be drilled in our head it's fine you're already forgiven for that mm -hmm. give it to god try yeah. not to do it again repent and move on yeah yeah <laughs> and like there wouldn't be that point if like we were still trying to really earn something yeah so it and makes sense that he would be really just pissed off at the people that fucked everything up yeah and you as the bible says you being evil still want to take care of your kid the best you can. Would you ever, because Mateo keeps picking up a knife and trying to stab himself, would you ever throw him in a fiery pit but not let him die and just be tortured the rest of his life? Because he kept playing with a knife or something. You're asking me this today, the day <laughs> that he was extra pain So yes ass. is your answer. <laughs> no, but you being evil, no. Um, but that's the same thing as like, hey, I could be completely wrong and uh, heretic- but like, I, like, what if God loves us just as much if and more than you love Mateo, and you would never torture him for the rest of his life because he defied you? So there's an argument about that, the holiness of God. I I completely get that, but it's just interesting to think about. That is interesting. Next, okay, the thing about Jude that that was really interesting is 
he draws from Enoch. So he probably read Enoch and knew it quite well. So knew, it's a film, Enoch's a history book? Is that almost, how I'm taking it? Yeah, almost, okay. yes. And so even if it's not God-inspired, it still talks about giants and what they did and how the fallen angels created. Like, it's a real thing that they, at least back then, believed in. How do they determine that Enoch isn't God-inspired, I guess, like or God-breathed? Because I know that the, the whole Bible is, but there's a collection of all these different books, and it was man that determined which books made the cut and which ones didn't. So, like, why is Enoch being considered a book that is not God-breathed, but the other books would be? Like, what mm-hmm. sets that apart? Because yeah. how would man know that? Yeah, that that's the argument for the Ethiopic church. They're saying... Why do you guys choose not to have it in there? It's quoted in the other passages in the Bible. So it's clearly a useful tool. Yeah, but the argument because they don't talk about Jesus and and that (laughs) there's a few hints of Jesus in there. It does mention like kind of like the Old Testament does about Jesus. There's hints and and stuff. But I think the main point is that it's based on modern uh, archaeology and historiography. So they trace they can only trace Enoch back to the first century basically Jesus' times. They can't trace it back to what they believe would be the original writings. Oh, because it would have been Old Testament. Yeah, it would have been. Enoch was before the flood. So number one, it would probably be really hard to find written scriptures of it from original texts. <laughs> so it was likely a, a verbal story that was passed down through generations, which is very common in Jewish tradition, especially in the Old Testament. Um, and then it was only written down in the first century. That's what I believe. I think it is probably a more or less true account of what happened back in the day Mm -hmm. but it it doesn't have the reliability of being able to trace it back to its original source its original author and there's a few criteria that most of the time the bible has to check at least one of those boxes to make it in there and i think just scholarly it didn't make the cut not meaning it's not true and it might have true um, God breathed information in it, but they're not going to say everything in here is God breathed. You should totally trust it. I wouldn't venture to go that far either. So I, I would probably agree, but it's a very useful tool. Same with Jubilees and Jasher. Gotcha. That's interesting. Next, we're going to adventure to Second Peter. It's another letter that the Apostle Peter wrote. Second Peter chapter 2. Okay. Um, and I think it's verse 4. So he's talking about, um, he's kind of like Jude, he's like talking about these people and false prophets and false teachers and they're introducing bad things into men. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. Is he talking about humans or angels there? I don't know. Verse 4 of Second Peter chapter 2. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them um, with chains of thick gloom, having cast them down to Tartarus, did deliver to judgment, having been reserved, or put them in hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. So, even Peter right there is talking about these angels who originally sinned, and then God, chained, God them chained them up. So there's a couple biblical references where God somehow is punishing these fallen angels for what they did. Then, last verse of the Bible we're going to look at today. Revelation chapter 9, verse 14. Talking about 
um, you know, Revelations, that apocalyptic book about a lot of the violence and the trumpet bowl judgments and all this bad stuff that's going to happen on the earth, earth and the, or the sun and the moon go dark and turn to ash. Anyway, chapter 9, verse 14. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who have been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. So somehow in Revelation, something happens and, and you can actually read and figure out like what ind- it indicates, but I think it says Satan falls from heaven and he has a key to the abyss. He unlocks it and these angels and demons come out of the abyss. Perhaps there's some event that happens that unlocks where these angels have been kept that initially transgressed before the flood and somehow they're unlocked and freed from the lower dimension if if you will if you want to think of it that way from the abyss from tartarus is what it is what peter said not so, to be confused with well no tartarus peter uses tartarus as in the same term as is uh um the underworld i was going with doctor who oh the tardis See? i get you <laughs> yeah um doctor even who. my husband i know i oh doctor Shaved. who's so cool man <laughs> so anyway so chains the bible mentions three different times angels chained under something yep for what they did um not a blue phone booth and for some reason they're unlocked and they wreak havoc on the earth in in what is allegedly the end time that's revelations right okay yep and then all i'm gonna say about that is cern <laughs> i'm gonna go back to cern in the large hadron collider because I just find it very interesting. They're finding out a lot of scientific um, things and gluons and all the stuff that holds matter together. Going to smaller and smaller particles as they rev up the power of it. Well, also, these same scientists that are very, very, like, in pursuit of science are talking about um, we're unlocking possibly portals to other dimensions, and they talk about interdimensional... they accidentally unlock something let these angels out and then that kind of like jump starts revelations yep two things to speak of there real quick before we finish up on this but two things to say number one we use quantum computers to control the cern hydron collider what is cern i'm sorry so it, it within switzerland and it's on the border of two countries i think switzerland and austria or something okay uh, they buried like a few miles down maybe or a mile down. I don't know. It's pretty deep in the earth It's this giant circle imagine a big circle like track like a Tube for example a big tube of a circle. Okay, and it's like miles 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 long. It spans two countries It's very large. And it's it's basically a bunch of coils that send charged particles around in a circle mm-hmm. uh close to the speed of light you can't quite hit the speed of light otherwise the mass becomes too big and it will swallow the earth essentially so you get up to close the speed of light and then send some more particles the other way around the circle and you have this little chamber where when you open the two doors of the chamber they smash together and when the particles break up you can look at the pieces basically you're putting dynamite in a house and figuring out how the house was put together by blowing it up what would be the purpose of that you know how the house is made. We don't know how atoms are made. 
Oh, they're trying to like get down into like the atom level of understanding. You have electrons, protons, and neutrons is the essential idea, but within that, what holds that matter together? And they've gotten to what they call gluons, which is funny because it sounds like it's the glue that holds everything together. Yeah. And so they're trying to get further and further down um, into these particles, yet they're also somehow, and they've said this publicly, they're also somehow tapping into extra dimensions by doing this. The power that's generated is is like it's weird. That I'm not smart enough to like talk to speak on it scientifically, but you can look at the articles and you can Google this stuff for yourself, you the listener, and you'll see you'll see what I'm talking about. But the idea is they're even admitting to the and then okay, so we, now you get back to the D wave computers or quantum computers. Okay. Quantum computers also are said, and this is public knowledge and said by their creators. Um, especially D-Wave, it, there's a there's a spokesman for D-Wave who basically helped develop it, and he's very open about what the heck these things are doing. He's like they're reaching in to alternate dimensions to uh, get enough power to process these things. So in, instead of a, a binary system like a normal computer with ones and zeros, and they just process things that way, quantum. So you're basically um, Op, you're squaring the power each time you add a chip to it. So you're getting like exponential processing power out of these quantum computers, and yet they're still saying they're tapping into alternate dimensions of some sort and all these weird things. So that being said, the quantum computers that are controlling CERN, which are smashing these giant things together at almost the speed of light, are controlling the whole process. A lot of the times the computers are basically running themselves. They're so advanced that you just say, go and the computer does all the stuff the, the for example the computer one of one quantum computer has the processing power of seven billion human brains okay so essentially we're just saying computer do your thing what if something from another dimension could somehow get a hold of a computer through this dimensional you know you can get into crazy things and it somehow opens up a larger dimensional portal where somebody can speak through it or come through it <laughs> and then you hear it and you read and, and I, w- I don't want to sound like a crazy guy, but you read in Revelation where there's these hordes of um, locust-like creatures that have the hair of women and the faces of men and breastplates of iron and they torment man for, you know, four months or something crazy like that. Okay. And it says they come from the abyss and their leader is uh, Abaddon or Apollyon in the Greek. Abaddon is the destroyer. Apollyon, Apollo is the main god of Greek culture. So you get into this whole thing, and then you see you can link Apollo to Zeus to Baal to back to basically Satan. He, he Basically, he's the representation of the head god, if you will. Gotcha. And so even the Bible speaks to these things being released and happening on the earth, and somehow this... Um, Angel has the keys to the bottomless pit, releases them. How does that happen? I don't know. But it's interesting to look at all the things that are happening currently and seeing how that possibly could happen and how it has happened in the past and how it links to the past with these fallen angels and stuff. It's really cool. That is really interesting. So, so then tying it back to the Nephilim and the giants, are is there proof archaeologically, did I say that right, mm-hmm. where you would like dig up bones, um, of the Nephilim, mm. that would be in existence. Okay, so... From today. Yeah. Because I'm guessing pre-flood, there probably wouldn't be any... Well, there's dinosaurs from the flood. 
I mean, what I believe is a flood. Okay. So, number one, maybe some of the dinosaur bones that we find and put together and we say, it's a new species! It's a Flaposaurus! And they built it from a thigh bone, for example. Uh. Or, you know, so there's that. But then you say, well, you'd find a lot of human skulls and things that you just couldn't, maybe a whole body here and there. Absolutely. What do you think a university or whoever has the money that's doing these archaeological digs for example okay uh they have hypotheses and theories they go off of and why they're digging in a certain they have to submit a thing to a university for example saying i want to dig here and here's why i want to establish a theory and prove it or you know whatever it is if all of their theories start being proven wrong one after the other like oh well we didn't really evolve from or there's giants? No, that's biblical. That can't. What if, and I'm. this is a big what if, I know, but what if when they are discovered, when giants are discovered, they're taken by the agencies in power and that are fronting the money. And if you've seen Indiana Jones, they take the Ark of the Covenant and they take the, you know, whatever, and they lock, you see this big warehouse full of boxes and because Indiana and Jones like, is we have, totally well, not. Well, no, I'm just using this as an example if you for an yeah. imagine, but they say we have top men working on it. Got it. He's like, who's working on it? Top men. <laughs> and it's just like, no, it's locked up in a case. So you'll read articles and you can find them on the internet from like the early 1900s, even the 1800s, where so and so just dug up a cave and found this giant skull, and it was it was estimated to be around 10 to 12 feet tall. You'll read these articles. And then you're like, oh, where where did the bones go? And most of the time, if it does mention it, or if you try to look into it, guess who comes and, and is the ones to investigate? Can I guess? The Smithsonian. Smithsonian Wait, Institute. Am I right? You are correct. <laughs> you are correct. So that's awesome. All I'm saying is those in power, perhaps, want to keep the the um story going as it is. Well, the same thing as like Area 51. Like it's a big secret. Yeah. But the, everybody knows yeah. there's really aliens that yeah, are. Yeah, all of a sudden, all the even the government all of a sudden now is releasing UFO footage slowly, a slow yeah. release saying, "Okay, it's possible aliens exist." Well, they hid it for so long, saying, "Nope, nope, no, nope, it's air balloon or whatever it is." All of a sudden, we're like, "Oh no, we don't know what it is anymore." And now it's we only, have smartphones; we can record it ourselves. Yeah, exactly. It's only because <laughs> nowadays they know it's not going to be hidden for much longer. Gotcha. Same with these bones. Is like, well. You know, whoever's going to dig them up is going to usually be under a dig fund or like promoted by a university or whatever. And Smithsonian is going to be the first ones to say, We're, it belongs in a museum. And then it goes in a brown box into the giant shed somewhere never to be seen again. They think they're looking into it. So when you say that though, like, so these accounts of people that have found giant schools, like, you feel like this is real, like that those stories are real, that... Yeah, so for example, you can today go into South America and there's a region, I think it's in Peru, called Paracas, Paracas, and there's these skulls there. Um, They're actually in a more or less museum, if you want to call it that, down there. And you can, I don't know if they're on display, but you can find documentaries about it. And they're um, these skulls that are elongated, okay. and the the cranial capacity for the brain 
is much larger than our human brains. Okay. So you can't say it's us binding babies' heads to where they shape like a cone head because they're basically these elongated cone head skulls that go back, like you would imagine the fair, the sculptures of Pharaoh where they have those hats on. Yeah. They go backwards. It's that same shape. Now, why are Pharaohs only depicted in, in like Egyptian hieroglyphs, for example, with those elongated skulls that kind of arc backwards? Uh -huh. And then you find the same skulls, and I'll show you a picture later, but same skulls, same shape and everything. And you're like, what is this? And so they have red hair on them, which is interesting because a lot of the giants today are purported to have red hair. Anyway, there are anomalies. So wait, there are giants today that get reported on? Well, these skulls are not necessarily giant. They are not human. I mean, they're seemingly not human skulls. Okay. They almost look like if you were to reconstruct them with gray skin, they'd look like the gray aliens you see on TV. With Got the it. long, big heads and big black eyes, right? Yeah. That's what these skulls are shaped like. But, and, you know, if, if the reason why you can't, like, go up and, and say, hey, let's study these or whatever, they're very protective of these because they're, like, number one, these are, you know, Indian burial sites, so you can't take them. Number two, they're not trusting of governments because if Smithsonian went down there and said, let's examine it, it would disappear because you've heard it dozens of times in the past where Smithsonian showed up took the skulls for exam and we never saw them again. You can ask all these people that, just like a Joe Blow that's outside digging and finds something, you'll always hear, I found this really interesting thing and it was cool and I have a picture of it and I can describe it to you, but I called the museum or whatever to see what they'd say about it and they picked it up and you never see it again. It's not crazy talk. It happens all the time. And so it's just, it's cool because yeah. they're very protective of these skulls in Paracas because they're like, we know what happens to these things if, that's Somebody comes and looks at them. Interesting. But, okay, something you said did remind me, though, like, when you were, like, giants today, mm -hmm. there are reports, right? So, like, I've heard of, like, um, military operations, and I know there's, like, so many years before they're able to kind of speak to, like, the Indian. Well, they're not supposed to yet. They're not supposed to, yeah. right? But, like, um, some people will, they'll, like, mask their face and, like, kind of give these accounts. I feel like, again, one of those, like, I was maybe half asleep, half watching type <laughs> things, talked about a, a military operation, and they ended up having to hide out into a cave, and it was in Iraq or something? Two different stories. Okay. So, the more interesting of the two is, this is, like, in Afghanistan, during the height of the Afghanistan war, okay. in quotes, if you want to call it that. Uh, special ops are out on patrol, and special ops are sent out for like the most dangerous of like missions okay so they were basically going out trying to find terrorist uh caves because okay. they they usually hide in caves in the middle of the deserts and stuff in the mountains and so they're out on patrol looking for terrorist caves and one of the teams never reports back so basically after a couple days um they send out another special forces team i think it's the army rangers and you know, the way the eyewitness describes it, he's one of the squad of the rangers, and they come up on a ridge, and they start seeing debris here and there, broken radio, some tattered clothing, uh, you know, a backpack, and they're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And they start seeing human remains, bones, and bloody rags and stuff, and they're like, oh my gosh, like the Taliban got a hold of these dudes and did a number on them. And they're like following kind of the trail, and they come around the corner, and there's a cave, and sure enough, it smells like death right there, like really bad, they say. And they see some more dead parts of, of humans and stuff. But all of a sudden, before they can like look too long, they call it in. 
but before they can start investigating too much, they hear something in the cave, and all of a sudden, this what they describe is a giant, twelve foot tall humanoid, fur, covered in fur, but kind of like if you imagine Hagrid from Harry Potter, human skin and stuff, but just red hair everywhere, six fingers, six toes, and speed of a leopard he says and and before they can react it stabs one of their dudes with a pike and this pike's like 12 feet tall the spearhead itself is far too heavy to even lift by one hand by a normal human so this is like a heavy weapon but it stabs the dude and he says their training kicks in they start firing away at this dude's head and somebody says fire at its head and so everybody you know uh focuses their fire on his head and it finally drops it but they already took out one of its dudes and so they started inspecting it, and they're like all just like, what is going on? What is this? And it's a huge... And this is a dude, and the only reason he's telling the story, he says, is in memory of those who died from this thing. He's like, you know, black ops, you don't get told much about how your son, husband, whatever, dies. So he's like, I'm telling this story in truth because of the memory of the my especially my buddy who died in front of my eyes and he's probably traumatized too and like telling the story will help him heal as well right like, that's a big thing about trauma too is telling it right yeah so like not only is it going to help the, that family get closure but then like kind of help him heal from it yeah how is he able to tell the story but not get in trouble I well he he's blurred out blurred uh, his voice is blurred but he gives the he gives the uh, account and he doesn't seem like super He's very reluctant. Like he doesn't seem like super willing to want to do this. He's hmm. doing it because he knows there's. He says he knows there's some stuff getting hidden, and he doesn't want it to be concealed anymore. Like this is real. Like his buddy died from it. Like so. Then you hear a second story, and it's a C-130 uh, pilot from the Air Force, and he, or maybe he's an Army pilot. Either way, he one of those big Hercules planes that you see, like they drop the jeeps with the with the parachute out the back. Anyway, he's called to pick up a package, and he comes up, sure enough, tarp covering a giant, he estimates it's probably about uh, 10 to 12 feet tall, red hair everywhere, or on its face, head, head and beard, and just crazy hair everywhere. And then um, six fingers, six toes, and he's like, we weighed it on the plane, because you have to weigh the, how much it is on the plane, and it was like, I think he said it was like two, it was like a ton. Oh my gosh. And so, if you did a 12-foot normal human, it wouldn't weigh that much because these things are bulky as hell. They're huge, big, strong, fast creatures is what they're saying. And that's the end of that pilot story. He just had, he's like, I picked it up, dropped it off at a black site somewhere. Black site meaning, like, hidden, like, government, army place. Never to be found Never to be found, just like the Ark of the Covenant in Indiana Jones. How did that Jones. one die? Did it say? Oh, yeah, his face was blown away as well. And so both of these giants that you hear, they basically have headshots that hmm. killed them. And Isn't that how David killed Goliath? It was yeah. like a slingshot with a rock to the dome. That's right. So he sinks a stone in Goliath's head, it says. Goliath falls forward on his face. And instead of doing like a touchdown dance in front of the crowd, David's like, nope, not done. Runs over to Goliath, grabs Goliath's sword, and chops the dude's head off. Now in the Bible, you're just like, Okay, David was just really making sure he was dead, or maybe he wanted a trophy of a giant head. Um, or maybe he wanted to make sure the giant was dead because he knew possibly these things have regenerative pop- properties. When the dude was telling how he was just randomly shooting the giant the first at first without hitting it in the head, 
it wasn't like really being affected. So somebody was like, shoot it in the head. And they all started concentrating fire on his head. And that's when it dropped. It's just interesting that um, I've heard a few other like obscure stories we won't get into about possibly these giants are in stasis or and that's like something awoke this one in the cave and so they basically it smelled like death because it was still regenerating to full health Hmm. Um, either way that's all hearsay and stuff but it is interesting that david had to run over and chop off the giant's head and like carried it around away yeah that is interesting it's like wolverine (laughs) just won't die so then tying it back to sasquatch or bigfoot um, something that you said when we very first mm-hmm. started with um, people think that they see it and then they go and they try to take an impression of mm-hmm. like its footprint and it's got five toes. Yep. Where we say Nephilim or giants have six fingers and six toes. So they have a distinctive trait that kind of like sets them apart, whereas Sasquatch have you does not. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's not the same. Yeah, I wouldn't say Bigfoot and Sasquatch are... Um, what they encountered in Afghanistan, for example, I think that the fallen angels or the future generations of Nephilim, whatever you want to think of, um, just like we do today with human and animal chimera hybrids, human and pigs, we're doing right now scientifically, why wouldn't those from the higher heavens have knowledge that we don't, like the Bible says? How? Why wouldn't they be manipulating dna of other animals besides humans as well so i think maybe the bigfoot is a genetic manipulation i think maybe the um even the paraca skulls or the aliens that we see they could possibly be a genetic variation of a non-human fallen one situation of some sort so i don't think they like unlike the giant the red-headed giants that have six fingers six toes they're probably a separate thing from Bigfoot and stuff, but they're mm-hmm. probably all originating from the same thing. Last thing I'll say, Esau, as in Jacob and Esau, Esau is said to have been red, had red hair. And he was a violent man who, in extra-biblical texts, ended up killing Nimrod. So we're coming full circle, but anyway, interesting that Esau had red hair and similar traits to, to a lot of the reports of red-headed giants that you hear around the world. I don't know who Esau is. Jacob and Esau, they were brothers, sons of Isaac, who was Abraham's son. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. See, I check out in the Bible when it says so-and-so begot Begat. so-and-so, begot so-and-so, begot so-and-so, and and I'm like, I'm sure this is applicable, but I just don't, I can't. (laughs) No, this was really interesting. So, anything else on Sasquatch before we end this? Because it kind of sounds like now it's just leaves people up for more questions than anything like there's all these extraterrestrial have you things that mm -hmm. have been recorded and then nobody really knows what they are intraterrestrial i'm gonna start that term extra as in outside of terrestrial it's 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 inside of the (laughs) earth you know what i'm saying there you go caves (laughs) boom no that that's really interesting yeah so if you guys have questions, uh, holler at us. We'd be glad to address any and, and talk about it and stuff too. So I would be happy to direct your question to Gio because <laughs> I will not have an answer for you. But you should definitely reach out to Gio because he's a wealth of knowledge on all things weird. So True. Well, thank you for the information. Thank you. Bye. Mm-hmm.